Good afternoon, my friends. Happy Wednesday. The doctor is in the house. Welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G on such a great day. Kind of cold and snowy here in Chicago, but that's all right. We're here for you to set the record straight. Once again, I just love doing what we do today, and you guys are all in for a treat. My guests today, as always, are fierce, and I'm so happy that you can join us here today. Today, we're breaking down the 411 on IBS. You're joining us here live at Intellectual Radio Studios or watching us on Facebook. And again, this health revolution continues. You know, this season, it's really about you. My wife and I launched season three of Two Up with Dr. G a few weeks ago, and it's really about making sure that you have all the tools for success. We know that when you have success in your health, you're more than likely to have opportunities for success in your life. Think about those priorities. Think about your why. Keep that why in front of your face. Why you're doing the things that you're trying to do, and what are those reasons, and who are you doing them for? I always say when you keep that why front and center, if you regress, you're more than likely to bounce back. So again, welcome back. My name is Dr. Mark Gomez. I'm a board-certified internal medicine physician. I practice at Edward Hospital. I'm also a member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. I'm going to be taking those boards in a few months. That's right. <laughs> Lifelong learning. That's what it's all about. And as my pastor says, smart people take notes. So I got a pen. I got some paper. I'm going to write some things down. When you write it down, it starts to get into that memory of yours, that that, that mechanical aspect of writing down. But again, we want to make sure that you are set up for success. We're all about building trust and delivering truth. In today's show, IBS, we're going to break it down for you. It is so common. We're going to want to make sure that you are out there. If you have IBS, you're listening to our show. But most importantly, we're not about labels here. We want people to have opportunities to thrive in everything that they do with their health and their well-being. Today, we're just breaking it down and just understanding a very common condition that affects essentially the entire world. Well, I mean, every socioeconomic, race, gender, creed, you name it, it's there and can be affected by this common condition. We're going to talk about opportunity because really that's what we're all about in this show, uplifting people and giving them equal resources and equity and access to healthier lives. So before we get ready to get into the show, I want to hit you with a quick disclaimer. The content of Tigger Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Further details can be found at www.tigerhealthwithdrg.com slash disclaimer. So here we are, breaking it down, IV, yes, love it. And when I thought of this topic, and you're all about to meet my panelists in a few moments, when I thought of this topic, I go, okay, how can we make this really powerful? First thing that you can do is share the show. Without a doubt, and we have to have this kind of conversation for, and we want to create this forum for people that have IBS and their families that care for them to really have this opportunity of inclusion. So this is for everybody out there that's dealing with this condition, but really to create more awareness to the people at large that may not know about irritable bowel syndrome. So I cannot wait to introduce you to my guests. Here we go. I'm welcoming back uh, my great friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Shivani Kirlok. I'm going to read, read you her credentials in just a second. She and I have known each other for a, a long time. Um, she has taken amazing care of many of my patients uh, in my clinical practice. I've known her for years. Uh, her practice is amazing. Uh, she's been on my show before. She's not a rookie no more, y'all. It's legit. Uh, and I was like, yes, yeah, so we got to get her back on. But she's so passionate about what she does. And so I was like, when I came with this topic, I was like, yes, I have to get Dr. Shivani Kirlik on the show. Let me read you her credentials. Dr. Shivani Kirlik, she's a board-certified gastroenterologist. She's what Suburban Gastroenterology, LTD. Check her out, www.sgihealth.com. Dr. Kirlik, welcome back to the show. 
Thank you, Dr. G. Hey, you bet. Let's tell, tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you do your medical school? Where did you do your training? And maybe a few words about this topic today. Sure. So I did my uh, medical school at Midwestern University, which is an osteopathic, a DO uh, type of program. And then uh, that was followed by internal medicine and gastroenterology fellowship, both we're done at Loyola University. Loyola, yeah, yeah, yeah. my alma mater, <laughs> holler. <laughs> and then I've been at Suburban Gastroenterology, which is um, a private practice gastroenterology group right in Naperville for yes. the past over six and a half years. And give us a few opening words about how this topic is so passionate to you. Sure. Uh, yes, I, irritable bowel syndrome is one of my interests um, because I, I see a lot of patients with irritable bowel syndrome and you know, it is a tough condition to treat. I think it takes a, a good patient-doctor relationship. Um, you know, 15, 10 to 15% of the population has irritable bowel syndrome. And, um, you know, one of my big things that I'm passionate about is patient education, which, yes. just like you, so um, I, I did start a little blog. I've done the, this low FODMAP diet uh, for two weeks just to learn the diet and um, really try to understand this um, struggle that, that my patients have um, with irritable bowel syndrome. And um, I, did it, I did it again this past week just to kind of get immersed in, into this topic today. So. Wonderful. Well, welcome back to the show, Dr. Carol. You, so you know, you talk about how you, know, you kind of put yourself in people's shoes and it really gives you a sense of identity and understanding mm -hmm. what people go through. Sure. Uh, and certainly come together to have some, hopefully, some innovative solutions to some of the challenges that people go through. So thank you for sharing your story. Mm -hmm. We're going to get more granular. And I love, I love that we're granular. All right. My <laughs> next guest, she and I connected through a colleague of my wife. Uh, and, and we're all about, on Tier with Dr. G, all about expanding our networks. Again, it takes a village. And even from a health standpoint, me as a physician, I count on a lot of my colleagues out there, my physicians, my non-physicians, my chefs, which my guest is a chef, by the way, but, but people that are passionate about health, I want to bring them together because we have you in mind at home on the opportunities that lie ahead. So I'm all about collaboration. I'm also all about having some tasty food, which we're going to do in a bit, but I want to introduce my second guest. I'm so excited. Let me introduce you to Chef, to chef Annette LaCitra. Let me read you her credentials because her credentials run deep. Here we go. Uh, chef Annette LaCitra, she is founder and owner, integrative health coach and wellness chef at Passionate Palate. Check her out, <laughs> www.passionatepalate.com. Chef, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. G, for having me. Hey, you bet. Tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you do some of your training? And what does this topic really mean to you today? Yeah, so I became a chef, so a plant-based chef, more so, and a holistic health coach about three years ago. So I've had my business for about two and a half years. And my background is actually in corporate finance. So I was working for three very large food companies, got a chance to see what went into the food system, and also I was um, personally have experiencing a lot of digestive issues, which was IBS. And I kind of saw what people were going through, and also myself. I was also very stressed out being in a job that I wasn't absolutely in love with. So all of that kind of coupled together, I got sick, I wasn't feeling well, and I decided to do some research on my own for myself. And as I started doing research and making changes to what went on my plate, I noticed uh, my body changing. And for, for the good, And I, my body was in a healing process, so I, I was thinking, okay, well, if I'm going through this, I have to help other people do this. 
Um, so I left corporate and walked into culinary school and walked right into health coaching school, which I went to Institute for Integrative Nutrition uh, for health coaching. And then also for my culinary arts degree, I went to College of DuPage. So I've got the background in finance and also um, in health coaching and culinary. So I like to help my clients on, hey, how, you know, watching their budget, if you will, uh, when it comes to, because a lot of people think it's very expensive to eat healthy, and it's really not as expensive as we think. So I try to do, to round it out with the finance and the background too, but um, it's very important to me because I've gone through the symptoms, so I completely understand, um, and so that's really kind of why it's, it's really on my heart to help people do to get better. Wonderful. Well, it's been my yeah. pleasure to have you on the show and everything today. I cannot wait to get some more details and really talk about some practical opportunities and solutions for people that are out there. So thank you, Chef, for coming on the show. So there you guys go. You met my panel as usual, fierce as always. And again, we're here for you. And Chef just shared her personal story. And I think when you have that story, it really helps you connect more with people. It makes things less intimidating. And it makes it more real. And at the end of the day, we want people to be successful in everything that they do, including their health again. So we want to make sure that we have these continued uh, uh, collaborations going forward and to really to use this as a forum for people out there. So, so what we do now, now that you've met the chefs, uh, chefs, I'm giving you a chef, the chef and doctor. Uh, hey, we're all maybe internal chefs or home cooks at the end of the day. So we're, you know, kind of internal chefs without the degree, of course. Uh, so, but now that you're at the panel, let's get right into this. So when people come in and see us in the office, we call it the chief complaint. And that means for people out there that don't know that, that's why when you show up in your doctor's office, it's like, why am I here? And so the chief complaint, a.k.a. the question of the hour, is this. What's the 411 on the latest lifestyle and dietary techniques to empower these individuals to live their best lives. We're talking about IBS, so I'm so excited. So let's get right into it. Let's, let's get a little bit of overview. Let's paint the background a little bit. Uh, Dr. Kerluck, uh, you mentioned earlier about 10 to 15% of people have IBS. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of just explain what IBS is for people that may not know what irritable sure. bowel syndrome is? Absolutely. Please do, thank you. So irritable bowel syndrome is characterized by recurrent abdominal pain. And it is also characterized by altered bowel movement. So some patients complain of having constipation. Uh, some patients complain of diarrhea. Sometimes you can go in between the two. And it, it could just be that it's a change in the appearance of the stool as well. Um, so, you know, those are some of the main characteristics. A lot of my patients do also have some bloating as part of their component. Um, but it is, it is considered, you know, um, a kind of a mind-gut condition. So there are dietary triggers to, to irritable bowel syndrome possibly, and as well as stress triggers. Wonderful, well thanks for breaking it down. I know I said in my opening remarks, I said that basically irritable bowel syndrome does not discriminate. Uh, the entire population, when you're looking at across socioeconomic, creed, race, gender, you name it, people have it, young, old, you name it. And I think that's an important thing. One of the challenges that I see certainly in my practices is when people don't necessarily see a disease, like you don't see like your arm's broken and the bone's sticking out, a lot of people may think it's not real. And, and I, you know, how do you, just let me ask you this question, how do you kind of just distinguish that? How do you kind of really make it that this is a real condition? How do you kind of, how do you kind of set the tone for that? Right, you know, I mean, I do tell them that this is, you know, definitely a real condition, that it's not all in your head because a lot of, my patients have heard that from other providers, and you know it may not be that there's a structural um, cause to your symptoms, but it's a very real symptoms associated with real pain, 
and it, and it affects them on a daily basis sometimes. And so it's something that I, I think is, is part of, you know, a way to, to make them feel better and, and, and it is very important. So um, I think just kind of explaining the, the condition and, um, you know, and, and really kind of some reassurance mm -hmm. that this is not just in their head. Wonderful. I, I want to ask one more question. I want to open it up to Chef because I want to break down a lot of the lifestyle things we can do. But I want to ask you one more question. If somebody thinks they have irritable bowel syndrome, how is it diagnosed? Sure. <clears throat> it is a clinical diagnosis. So we use a Rome 4 criteria. Um, and basically, you have to have symptoms at least once per week for the past three months. Uh, but the symptoms should have started at least six months before the diagnosis can be made. And it's characterized by either a change in the motility, so either, you know, again, the diarrhea or constipation, or a change in the form. Um, and, and a lot of times I do have to also kind of ask them about symptoms, um, such as alarm symptoms, you know, um, making sure that there's not another condition going on. So I'll ask them about weight loss, you know, blood in the stool, large volume diarrhea is, is the diarrhea, um, you know, ever waking you up at night. Um, so those kind of things, you know, it, it's really important. And, you know, it is something that I do start with some laboratory workup as well as some stool tests. So looking at their blood count, making sure they're not anemic. Um, if they have a diarrhea component to their symptoms, I would want to rule them out for celiac disease um, and, and consider like a fecal calprotectin or, you know, um, colonoscopy depending on their, their age. Um, but that's, you know, also checking for, you know, if, if there's any concern for inflammatory bowel disease. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it's really a clinical diagnosis, but there is a workup that needs to be done before we can kind of, yeah, yeah, without a doubt, and I know when I see people in my practice, they might even actually even come and say, "Hey, doc, Dr. G, I think I got IBS." And I'm like, "All right, well, let's <laughs> uh, let's let's uh, let's let's work this out. Let's make sure nothing else is going on, and then go see Dr. Kirilik. That's how I do it. That's how I roll. Excellent. Well, Chef, I want to ask you this question because you were sharing your story, and I and I love that you share your story because you've really had to really educate yourself on things. You know, you weren't feeling well, and you you basically. Began, as I said in the beginning, lifelong learning, got to do a hashtag. Uh, but you really said something's wrong. Um, and you mentioned, to, you alluded to some different lifestyle ways, how it was affecting you day in and day out, but you started doing things. And one of the things I love about what we do here, too, with Dr. Jesus, really talk about really emphasize, emphasizing lifestyle. Uh, but before we get into a little bit of that with IBS, I just want to just ask you this more general question because you're a chef and we're talking about stuff. How do you make nutrition and tastiness get on the same page. How do you do that? Because I think we always eat for taste. And we say, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do my nutrition, but we don't sometimes, or a lot of times, because we're mired in chronic health burdens. So we don't, I mean, the answer is we don't do it. Uh, but how do you try to get people to get tastiness and nutrient density on the same level, generally speaking? So yeah, that's a really good question because I come in to help that. I think Mother Nature actually did a really good job already for putting um, tasty food out there, so it's not really <laughs> necessarily mm -hmm. me doing it, but I think sometimes it, it depends on what you're putting together, too. So, um, you know, we want the different flavors and the flavor profiles to get your sweet, your savory, um, just different, different types of things, but I think our, I know, I shouldn't say I think, but I know that our taste buds have been hijacked um, by food, large food companies. After working for them, I definitely know how that goes, and I've seen um, seen the different tastings and testings and things like that. 
but I think we get used to eating a lot more food that's unproductive for our body. And so we kind of forget sometimes too how good food from the ground yes. up to actually tastes. Mm -hmm. And so I think it also is really just, you know, yeah, putting, putting things together, being colorful. Um, and really we have beautiful food. It's just we sometimes we don't have access to it. So we think... Uh, not picking on Cheetos or Doritos, but you know we think those are a lot more tasty. So, but it's it's why is that tasty, and what has been done to our taste buds to make that tasty? So I think it's getting back to just tasting whole, real foods, and how do we put it together? How do we throw some herbs and spices in there? How do we, you know, just different combinations of foods? Nice. I think that's awesome yeah. doing talking to them like that way because I love how you use the word our taste buds have been been hijacked, and it really has. And I think when we do this kind of stuff, when I'm doing my show, last week we did a show about dietary fads. And, uh, and, and really talking about how do we get control back? Um, how do we lay down a foundation for success? Uh, and, also, and also still give people the opportunity to, to eat the things how nature intended to do it. We've gotten away from that. You know, society's gotten more technolog technologically savvy. There's still a lot of TV, and I can stream everything on Netflix. I'm not saying anything about you guys, Netflix. No, but, 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 but there's so many things that call for our attention. We've settled for convenience. Uh, and, and fast and, and quick and almost like, kind of like instantaneous and it's gotten us away from a lot of the things that we talk about and again we're talking about we're mired in a chronic disease um, uh, mess going on that has no signs of, of going away then we really had to have these kind of conversations but do you feel like and I'll ask this question to both of you do you feel like we're in an uphill battle against you know the big corporations you know we're trying to do this there's three of us here trying to have a forum and talk about something for people but I feel like we're up in a gets a how do we overcome this uphill battle yeah that's a really good question I think it's education is a big piece of it um, and it really starts it starts in the home yeah. um, and of course in schools I think that's wonderful but it really starts at home we are in an uphill battle I do feel that things are changing and I see you know I, I see it and I don't know how you, how you guys feel about it, but I really do. I see the things that the paradigm is shifting. And I think the more information, we are in an information um, age. So, I mean, the stuff is out there. Whether or not we're looking into it as much as, you know, we, we could or should be, or we're actually practicing it, um, things are changing. And I do feel it is still an uphill battle, but I think the more people like us that are doing things about it and really informing and providing education, it's really helping. Um, and the food does help when it tastes good. So Absolutely. And it's <laughs> Dr. Carolyn, let me ask you this question. You know, we're talking about lifestyle, setting up for this. Again, we're talking about the 401, the latest lifestyle opportunities for, for, for patients out there that suffer from IBS and their families. What are some of the lifestyle things that you advise your patients about? Uh, and what do we know from like some of the evidence? I mean, do we know, you know, exercise, for example, or stress management? But can you help break that down? What are we talking about when we talk about lifestyle and helping IBS sufferers thrive? Sure. So, um, as I mentioned, you know, irritable bowel syndrome is now considered a mind gut condition. So, uh, stress, any you know, underlying anxiety or depression can can make these symptoms worse. They don't cause IBS by any means. So, I, I do ask my patients about those stress triggers because it's it's really important to identify and have an open conversation about. We do know that cognitive behavioral therapy, gut-directed hypnotherapy, um, you know, help and, and even yoga, exercise, um, deep breathing techniques, all these, all these techniques can help. And the way they help is that they decrease the body's stress response. So they help by dampening the sympathetic nervous system and activating the parasympathetic nervous system. Um, and there have been, you know, 
research trials that have validated this. So, um, you know, we, we believe in it so much, we're really trying to get actually a behavioral therapist to join our practice, and, and that's that's how much we believe in it, so. Love it, I love that integrative approach. Yeah. Behavioral therapists out there, call Dr. Kerlook, <laughs> without a doubt, you will be in for a, a, an amazing experience because her practice is just, fa just fabulous. Uh, but I love how you really, you're looking at it from a very holistic thing. Absolutely. You know, I think as clinicians, we can look at things like numbers. You know, I'm an intern, so I look at cholesterol and diabetes type stuff, but it's much more so when we're talking about people. You're really looking at a whole rounded right. approach. Chef, when you're, when you're working with clients, how do you kind of keep that whole rounded approach in mind? Because you're going in there to help to coach them, to help them cook and prepare, but they might you might be entering a, a situation where there's so much dynamic issues that are out of control. Maybe the environment's a little toxic. Maybe the stress is just unbearable. Uh, maybe relationships are, are potentially tainted for going to that environment. How do you kind of just kind of maybe help people block out some of that other stuff and focus on the task at hand? Yeah, um, so I, I technically, First, start with someone doing a health history consultation because, as you know, I, I want them to be working with practitioners, but you can't always take the doctor home with you, so it's nice to have somebody to, you know, be an accountability partner. But I do like to focus on maybe their top three priorities and say, because everybody, you're right, is very different. Everyone's very individual, their body's different. Um, so, really focusing on what really is maybe some top priorities that they're looking to focus on what is going on around that situation. I hear a lot, uh, it's work. And so when we talk about stress, as you had mentioned. It's always work. It's always work. <laughs> well, it's a lot of work, and then there's probably, yeah, there's, there's a lot of other things too, but it's, it's interesting to hear what, you know, someone's priorities are and how we can focus on that. And sometimes it's, well, I'm working a lot of hours, and well, why are you working a lot of hours? You know, we focus on what it is, what it is that's going on around that, because that's driving your eating pattern. And it's not just, I mean, granted it's about the food, but it's not always about the food. Um, it's about well, what's driving the eating pattern. If you're working 12 hours a day or crazy hours, it's like, well, I can't meal prep, I can't do this and I can't do that, but really what's your priority? And so how do I work with you on, on sticking to working on those priorities and, and healing, helping you, you in your healing process? Dr. Kerr, look, a few more mm -hmm. thoughts about just looking at it from a holistic standpoint, how yes. you integrate that into your practice? Right. Um, absolutely. I, I do agree with goal setting. I think that's really important. Um, you know, and then, you know, you know, there's some patients who are um, more interested in, in, in trying diet. So there is a diet, you know, the, the low FODMAP diet. And there have been several randomized controlled trials supporting that diet. That, that stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. And basically these are uh, short-chain carbohydrates that, um, and fibers that in, in some patients, especially with some patients with irritable bowel syndrome, are a little bit more sensitive to and, and can cause symptoms where um, they're not well absorbed and then the bacteria kind of go, go to town. And, and so um, are they looking to make dietary changes? You know, um, of course everyone wants a quick fix. So, you know, I do try to set some realistic standards. Um, but, you know, some patients, they, they, they don't, they're not motivated to do, do the diet or, um, or whereas some other patients are, you know, some patients want, you know, a, a pharmacological treatment. So I think um, having just an open conversation about their expectations is important. Um, I still will definitely uh, educate them on the lifestyle opportunities to improve their symptoms. Um, so hopefully, you know, they can at least leave just planting the seed a little bit. You know, these are 
techniques that don't have side effects that um, that can help them with their symptoms. And so, um, you know, there are a lot of resources actually out there, and you know, it, it really I think takes a multidisciplinary approach, especially for some of our, some of our patients who have more severe symptoms. Yeah, you mentioned the word sleep, and I just love that word um, <laughs> because it's it's something we. I mean, let's paint the let's set the record straight. We live in a society with uh, that it's involved in pervasive sleep deprivation. And, and sleep is your foundation for everything. It affects every single organ in your body. And think about it, when you're not sleeping well, say you go a week and you're just short on sleep, you might have gotten five hours a night, you're not feeling well. You're certainly not absorbing, by the way. You might think you're eating that kale salad. You're not absorbing much of that at all. The nutrients, I mean, just the body doesn't like those kind of stress states. Mm -hmm. And so when the body's more sleeping, you know how people are, when you, when you sleep, they're more pleasant to be around the next day and things like that. And so, so yes, uh, I love how Dr. Carroll is saying set the foundation. And I love that that's the first approach before you start, you know, nobody wants to go on endless pills and medications. I mean, not, not none of my patients do. A, a lot are, but, like, lot of, nobody really wants to be on a lot of stuff. If they can do something more naturally and we can coach them through that, then I think, and also, as I said back in the beginning, keep that why in front of your face why are you doing the things that you're doing, then we can work together to find those practical solutions. So let me ask this question to, to uh, Chef. Chef, you know, talk about fiber, because I know, and I want to come back to the FODMAP uh, in a few months, but let's talk about fiber. Uh, you know, from my, from my understanding uh, is that fiber is certainly, you know, we're also in a, in a society that's pervasively deprived of meaning our fiber goals uh, and sleep goals and a lot of other things. But, but let's just talk about the benefits of fiber. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's interesting you said that too because we do see a lot of uh, packaged and processed foods also that add fiber or say they're high in fiber when really are we talking, what type of fiber are we talking about? Are we talking about whole real food fiber or are we talking about packaged and processed foods? So that makes a big difference too. So in just thinking, okay, well you just need to take, um, you know, and, and this is maybe getting off, off topic a little bit, but when I had gotten, um, when I was told that I had IBS or that I had the symptoms of that, I was just told to take Metamucil, and you're just going to have to deal with it for the rest of your life. For fiber, take the Metamucil. And I'm like, that just doesn't seem right, but okay, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and try it for a little bit, and it didn't work. Um, but, you know, it's really the quality of the fiber and, you know, how it's actually binding. You need the fiber with the carbs, with the protein, with the, um, you know, the antioxidants in its whole real form to help move things through the digestive tract. Now, some people can't break down fiber um, as well as others, just depending on where they're at in, in their, with their symptoms. But fiber is very important. Um, you, you, we do need a lot um, of it, but with it depends on you know where, what it's with. And is it in, like I said, packaged and processed foods? Is it in whole real food? Is it in your, you know, are you eating that whole apple? Or are you eating cereal where it says added fiber? You know, that's not that's not the same it's not gonna give you the same nutrients at all. So fiber fiber is very important, but it's also in its whole real form. That's key is having it in its whole real form. Love it. Dr. Kerlock, any other thoughts about just having that foundation of fiber? Sure. Yeah, I mean, of course as a gastroenterologist, you know, I love I tell everyone, you know, whatever it is you should have fiber, but um twenty five grams is, you know, I mean you know, at least for women, yeah, and um, a little bit more, you know, 30, 35 for, okay. for men, you know, is, is what we should be having in our diet. And I agree, you know, um, having it um, in the form of vegetables and, and fruits, um, that it has so many other added benefits that it just makes the most sense to, to have it in our diet. 
Um, you know, sometimes it just becomes a little cumbersome with trying to calculate, you know, are you getting enough fiber in the diet and, and knowing, um, you know, most people think that, you know, they'll just have a fiber one bar, which, or something like mm -hmm. that. That's more, it's more of a marketing technique. So I do think that we can improve on the education regarding, regarding that. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's important. Some people though, uh, can be sensitive to fiber sure. and, and, and it seems like it, it too much fiber can definitely, you know, cause some symptoms for people. If, if you do fiber sometimes and, and you're not a good water drinker, that can actually cause some constipation. So yes. I think you have to take it in context and, and make sure they're drinking a lot of water as well. So Wonderful. Thanks for clearing the air on that one. So let me ask this question to the chef before we get into a little bit of some tasty, we're talking about the tasty factor and keeping the nutritional factor on the same level because you can. But let me ask the chef another question. So, so chef, you know, um, we're talking about the IBS population. Um, we want, I, want, I want to get us away from the mentality of kind of a one-size-fits-all because the recommendation that you got when you had that initial diagnosis was very a one-size-fits-all kind of mentality. So how do we break that out, you know, as you're, as you're working with clients and people that are out there listening to us on Facebook Live and, and on intellectualradio.com, you know, how do we kind of try to tailor it to the needs of that individual? Yeah, I think it's really about finding out their story and sitting down with them. I know that that's difficult sometimes in some doctor's offices to really sit and see what's going on, what are, what are their other symptoms. Um, but I think everyone, you know, to a degree has a different level. I shouldn't say everyone, but whoever comes into the office probably and you're talking about IBS and they think they've got symptoms, you know, they're talking about their symptoms. Everyone's a little bit different. So, but it's also finding out what else, what are all the symptoms and how do I tailor it is more so you know, just, just talking to them and finding out, okay, well, what's been going on in your life? What's your stress level like? What's your sleep level like? Um, but, you know, that it really depends. It's Everyone's symptoms are a little bit different, but as a human, we all have similar symptoms, if that makes if that makes sense. Um, it acts differently in, the, in everybody's body. So, yeah, I think it's really just individual and sitting and talking to them and really finding out, you know, what, what are you, what's your lifestyle like Got now, it. you know? So, Dr. Carroll, let me ask you this question. We're talking about, obviously, we want to keep it very individualized. Yes. But um, the reality is that sometimes people inadvertently may make some mistakes when it comes to the foods that they're choosing while they're dealing with IBS, or their caregiver may have all good intentions, mm -hmm. but it's the wrong thing, and someone becomes more symptomatic. Uh, so, uh, do you ever get any kind of common common mistakes that are brought to your attention that they say, oh, yeah, again, we're not trying to say like generalize, like yeah. don't do this, don't do that, very generalized. It's got to be very specific to the individual. But are there some common things that you see people do and then all of a sudden they come back in your practice or they call your nurse and say, I need to come in and see Dr. Carroll because I'm really in a bind right now. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of times, of course, the patients are motivated to, you know, feel better. So they put themselves on certain diets and, um, you know, sometimes they can be actually overly restricted with the low FODMAP diet. Um, and, and they stay on this restricted diet for so long and that's not really how you're supposed to utilize that diet. Um, so I think there just has to be more of a discussion. There's a lot of nuances to, to that diet. Or they say they tried it and it didn't work and they don't realize that, you know, when you're doing the elimination phase, which you're supposed to do for, you know, two to four weeks, um, you know, you have to take into consideration portions, <laughs> and um, so, and I think that, uh, again, there's a lot of nuances, so it's, it's one of those things that I think um, it's, it's hard to learn on your own. I do think that, you know, a dietitian or, or, you know, a chef who's interested in IBS, you know, is a good resource to have. Um, 
and you know maybe giving them some resources that that I think are useful because <clears throat> the first even week you're going to make lots of mistakes on it. So being overly restrictive or, or coming in and a lot of my patients already are um, on a gluten-free diet and then it makes it really hard for me to, to diagnose them or test them for celiac disease. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, I think, you know, rather than coming in when like everything else has failed, <laughs> um, you know, in terms of what you've done to try to improve your symptoms, um, is just kind of coming in in the beginning and and then kind of deciding how to, how do we tackle this diet if, if that's the way you want to go in terms of diet. So, um, yeah, I think I think for me it's a little bit harder um, because I might see people and I might say, you know, it's it suggested that you may have this, and I will already go ahead and try to say, all right, here's what you mm-hmm. don't want to do and start an elimination kind of phase right there. But but in my role. In my capacity, I need more resources, and I'll be willing to say that. I think most docs out there will say, sure. I need more resources. Sure. Uh, and sometimes you might, it might be hard for us yeah. to find that person to say, sure. all right, I need you to find a nutritionist mm-hmm. who has very workable knowledge of, of, um, of, uh, of a plan, a dietary plan, yeah. and specifically eliminate those kind of foods. And the hard part is this, when people go through the process, you have to kind of say, like, if it's a, if, say it's like a Friday, and you're yeah. seeing so it's your last patient on a Friday, <laughs> and you're like, all right, we're all trying to get out of here. I'm just joking. Uh, but, but if it's your last patient, and you're trying to say, like, how, you know, you leave them with that impression in your mind, in their mind, it's like, and they go home, and they go, oh, my goodness, i got to now try to figure this out. Um, and, and I feel like sometimes people get frustrated. Yeah. When you were going through things, Chef, and you were trying to figure out what you can and what you can't, was that kind of a very big eye-opening experience for you? Yeah, that was huge. And I think um, going to my the functional medicine doctor that I had gone to, she had a health coach working with her, which was brilliant. And so when I worked with her, that's what made it that much more tangible and easy. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, this is not as hard as I thought. I personally love food as well, so I was willing to play around with food as much as I needed to. But um, after kind of finding out and doing a food sensitivity test for myself, finding out what my food sensitivities were, gluten being the number one big like red flag and I was like oh darn now I have to really figure out I went from eating a lot of a lot of wheat and wheat based products to not having to really be able to have it I could but I would get I know I'd get sick so um, yeah I think just having an accountability partner or truly you know a health coach is really what helped me out too and doing a lot of research um, but I agree there's it, it's difficult to be thrown into like oh yeah, thrown into the fire how do I do this and and that's the key as a health coach what I really help people do because it's like want to walk you know with you the journey with you and hold your hand to do it and you go to the practitioner that you need but how can I help you um, stick to this set goals really make sure that we're doing this and whatever it is that you know you need to do um, and how do we make it tasty yes. you know also so let's so, yeah. talk about some tasty stuff so we have some people might be looking at yep. that you're watching us and you see a blender on the <laughs> table and uh when i talked about chef to come into the show uh i was like chef can you provide like an example of something that would be really good uh for ibs sufferers and you know, we're talking generally but something that's still nutrient dense and still something that could be easy to make again we're talking about as you said earlier chef it doesn't you know meal prep may be hard for a lot of people but what can be done again we're trying to see where we can peel off some things that still help augment and support our health through the decisions that we make on a daily basis so let's break this down what you prepare for us what do we have here today yeah so we have a um it's actually a papaya raspberry smoothie and it's really really simple to make so this is what's nice speaking of meal prepping or at least having things ready to go 
Um, it's nice to be able to make a full blender of it and actually have it in your fridge. So if you're having something, I know some people don't like to eat, drink, eat or drink the same thing every single day, but this is really nice if you have a go-to, you have a full blender in your fridge. So every morning, you know, for a couple days during the week, you could just pour yourself a smoothie. So it's nice to, to do it in bulk, if you will. But I've got just raspberries. Okay. And you can use frozen raspberries for this as well. So that's, that's fine. Papaya. Okay. And I can explain there's healing benefits to each one of them, and that's what I like to talk to people about too. But there's also aloe. Okay. And banana. So four simple easy. ingredients to something like this. And the recipe is going to be on my, on my Facebook page. I'm going to have my wife post it later on. But again, you can see also on, on, on Chef uh, Le Citra's page as well, too. But I like it. Four simple ingredients. So raspberry, high, in, in, high antioxidants, high vitamin C, fiber. Yes, love it. But super nutrient dense. Uh, I love the banana aspect because some people are like, oh my gosh, is it going to taste differently? I, I, can I do at least one banana? Can I please do one banana? Uh, but high in potassium, of course, great for muscles. Uh, actually, people that have risk for heart rhythm challenges uh, helps to lower risk for heart arrhythmias. So great things there. And of course, I love papaya, a ton of antioxidants, vitamin C, vitamin A, uh, some fiber density there too, low carbohydrate that's glycemic friendly, and then of course the aloe. And it's interesting, some of the healing properties, you know, when I think about aloe, you know, the, the, the anti-inflammatory, antiseptic, you know, just, uh, just, just anti almost everything it seems yeah. like, but just such a very inclusive ingredient that we don't use often. Right, and it's yeah. very calming for, you know, for the digestive tract. So. The bananas themselves the are very, yeah. yeah, and like you said, with the bananas, they're amazing for helping, you know, pull out any sort of, you know, viral activity or bacterial activity, unproductive uh, bacterial activity in the in the gut. So they're very soothing for the for the gut, for the digestive tract. Aloe, beautiful for healing. So it actually helps really in the healing process of the intestinal tract, and it is super, yeah, it's just, it's very, very calm, has a very calming effect. The raspberries are very easily digestible and like you said all of the awesome benefits with awesome. you know all the vitamins antioxidants uh, um, everything else that you mentioned and even with um, the papaya is very very soothing for the digestive tract too so it's very helpful when you're working on healing or a healing process especially from IBS it's really nice to have the, the papaya because it is so easily digestible um, and there's so many more health benefits I know. to it. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Could you do something like this with your patients in your practice and be yeah. like, starting tomorrow, like, hey, uh, I need to check out this recipe. And by the way, so, I'd be remiss if we didn't actually, just to honor Chef, to take a sip of the deliciousness that we have in front of us. So I'm just going to ask everybody to take a quick sip, if they don't mind. If you don't mind or not, and I'm not forcing anybody, but i got to take a sip of this because it's been smelling amazing for the whole time. Thank you. Yeah. Mm, that is awesome. But, Doc, do you yes. think you can, you know, how simple, you know, we're working with patients. Yeah. I know you have to talk about simplicity and being realistic, too. Right. Um, something like this. Uh, how can we continue to get this to our patients? You know, um, actually, I, I did also feel that there was a big gap between, um, you know, in terms of someone coming in with IBS and, and telling them a little bit about the diet, but, and then they're, they're, they just kind of leave the office and, they don't even know where to start. So um, I, I did actually create a blog. I I also, yes, for the past week, I um, recorded all the recipes, the low FODMAP recipes that 
that I made, and how so. How can we find your? I'm sorry to interrupt. How can we find your blog? Um, actually, it's right now. It's right on my um on the SGI Health website. Okay. And so um I go through you know all the recipes, and then there's another blog post that I did back in fall that tells you kind of the main tips for when you do the elimination diet and when you do um, the challenge phase. And so I, I because I did really feel that you know I I had to bridge the gap because. Um, there's a lot of information. I have 20 to 30 minutes with my patients. It's not enough time. And so, um, you know, I, I, I use the blog as something, first of all, to just, um, you know, when the, when the patient leaves the office, they can go back to these references. And, and a lot of times it's just hard to remember everything that you're told in a, in a short office visit. So, um, you know, and I think it, it's a way to constantly communicate with my patients. I think you and I are cut from the same tree, of course, because <laughs> that's why I created this show, yeah. uh, because I want to have another resource out there for patients. When I know I only have 20 to 30 minutes with them, I want to make sure that we have some lasting, impactful information Absolutely. that they can process between the next visits uh, that they see us in. So I totally get you on that one. Yeah. Love it. I love what you're doing every day. <laughs> love it. So uh, what I want to get into now is I want to get into our myths versus facts section. We do it every week on TRF with Dr. G. We've been having this awesome discussion about IBS and the opportunities that lie ahead. But I want to set the record straight. There's still a lot of misinformation. Uh, and myths out there about IBS. And we've already addressed some of them, but I want to set the record straight. So here's how it works, myth versus facts. I say a statement, and my panelists say either myth or fact. And they give us a reason. We're going to keep it kind of fast. We're going to get through as many of these as we can uh, in, the time, in the time remaining. But I just love doing this, setting the record straight, building trust, delivering truth. So here we go. Dr. Kira, look, you get the first statement. Let's get your opinion on this. Um, so here we go. Dr. Kira, look, here's a statement. IBS is similar to inflammatory bowel disease, a.k.a. Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Myth or fact? That is a myth. Please explain. Okay. Um, so endoscopically, if uh, I do a colonoscopy on a patient with uh, inflammatory bowel disease, which encompasses ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, these are inflammatory conditions. Um, when I go in, I would see visually with my own eyes um, changes in the lining of the mucosa. So there, were, there would be redness or swelling, um, sometimes ulcerations. So I can usually tell just by looking at the mucosa that they possibly have inflammatory bowel disease. Um, in terms of irritable bowel syndrome, the, the lining typically it looks normal uh, on, say, a polyps or things like that, mm -hmm. but no signs of... Um, you know, gr gross inflammation. Uh, and another, another thing that I want to clear up um, is that for inflammatory bowel disease, there is an increased risk um, for colon cancer, but in patients who have irritable bowel syndrome, there is not an associated uh, increased risk for colon cancer. Um, some of my patients with inflammatory bowel disease do have overlapping irritable bowel syndrome, though, as well. Okay. So. Well, thank you for, for clar clarifying that. Absolutely. But that's, that's super important to, to break down. Thank you. Here we go, Chef. Here we go. Myth or fact? Maintaining a healthy diet, drinking water, and minimizing stress are some ways to best support healthy living in individuals with IBS. Fact. Please explain. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yes. of course, there's, it's there's, fact. there's a yeah, fact, fact. There's a lot to do with, um, you know, having enough hydration in your body and, of course, um, your lifestyle, truly, because we know that a lot of different things stress-related can feed whatever issue is going on and just it exacerbates it, I should say. So, yeah, absolutely. I think lifestyle makes a humongous difference, myself included. I definitely understand. So, 
yeah, it really has helped out with, um, you know, in the healing process. Wonderful. Yep. Thank you. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Dr. Kerlick, here's a statement. Quote, this treatment works for someone I know with IBS, so it will also work for me, in quote. Myth or fact? Myth. Please explain. <laughs> Okay, so um, even the low FODMAP diet, it, not everyone responds to it. So, um, you know, actually about half respond, um, assuming that you're doing it correctly. Um, and then even certain pharmacological treatments, you know, not everyone responds to, to a treatment. So sometimes I just ask my patients to have a little patience because it, it can take some time to figure out um, the right treatment for them and one that minimizes side effects and, and that their body responds to. Wonderful, thank you. Here we go. Chef uh, LaCitra, here we go. Here's a statement. Eating a whole foods, plant-based diet does not offer benefits in IBS patients. What's your think? Yes. Please explain. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the more nutrient-dense that you can make your, your plate um, definitely helps out with supporting and also clearing. Um, in my case, it, it's strep is the, the leader for the IBS um, that I had tests done too and so in order to kind of help um, cleanse and clear the body of that now you don't want to obviously break, completely clear your body of it but that definitely happens better when you're eating more plant-based um, and really nutrient-dense foods so absolutely um, it wonderful. does help so <laughs> wonderful thank you and again I've done plenty of shows about the power of plant-based nutrition check them out on my website of course www.drmarkcombs.com uh, really, that is the movement where you want to go. That's where the best health outcomes are showing up when we're looking at the literature. So trying to get to predominantly whole food plant space is definitely the way you want to go. Here we go. Uh, Dr. Kirillak, here we go. Here's the same. We'll do a couple more of these. I like this one. IBS occurs in patients of all ages and racial slash ethnic groups, but it is more common in women and in younger adults. So that's true. So it's 40% um, in, in female, 9% in males in North America, 11% um, internationally, so it does occur worldwide. Um, it's diagnosed more commonly in, in younger patients, but, um, you know, there are patients who are older who have probably had symptoms, you know, for the past possibly 20 or 30 years. So even if I diagnose it later on, in life, it doesn't mean that, you know, it, I, I may have to rule out other things as well, but um, it is a true, true statement. Thank you. Here we go. Chef, I like this one. IBS meal planning takes too much time to do. Myth or fact? <laughs> I think that's a myth. Please explain. Um, yeah, I think it takes time to get sick, too. Yeah. So I think there's a lot that goes into that. Um, and then when you are sick, there's a lot more time that goes into trying to work on a healing process. Uh, but I think meal planning, once you have the right techniques and the tools, it's really not that hard. It, well, it's easier than people really think. Wonderful. We'll do two more of these. Here we go. Dr. Kier, look, I like this one. IBS is a psychological disorder. It's all in your head. Myth or fact? That's a myth. So it's not all in your head. Um, it's a very real disease. And, you know, we do know that even, you know, going time back to our last talk, that you know, the microbiome yes. differs in our patients who, who have irritable bowel syndrome and there is some, you know, localized inflammation, not inflammatory bowel disease, but, you know, with the, the bacteria and how they interact with the lining and, and things like that. So this is a, a real condition and um, the digestive tract is different and how it responds, you know, the enteric nervous system and how it interacts with, with the central nervous system is dysregulated, but um, it is a real condition and 
There are, you know, things, um, scientific studies that have shown that, that these patients differ than, than patients who do not have this condition. Wonderful. Thank you. Let's do this last mm -hmm. one. I like this one. Chef, here's a statement. Many restaurants will not accommodate my IBS dietary restrictions. Myth or fact? Myth. Please explain. You know, there's, there's a lot of, you, all you have to do is just ask. And if you know what you need and what you want, there are a lot. And working in kitchens, too, I, I understand. You know, you just need to know. We need to know what's going on, um, what it is that they need. And so we'll, we'll accommodate. They'll, well, they'll accommodate. Yeah. I, I would say if I break up my credit card, they'll definitely accommodate. Yeah, that, that, that'll help, it. right? Yeah. <laughs> Here's the cash show. Love it. So there you guys go, Miss versus Pax. Mm -hmm. Great segment. So we got about five minutes left, and I'm thinking, like, man, this time went by flat fast. But we're sitting here just trying to really uh, have a great conversation about something that really needs to be talked about on a much more broader scale. So um, we, I called it the chief complaint in the beginning why somebody came into comes into your office. We call it the assessment and plan. That's when we kind of give somebody their diagnosis, uh, a treatment plan, and of course, most importantly, a follow-up. So let's break it on down. Uh, Chef, uh, give us a few take-home points for people out there that are listening to our show today. Uh, give them some take-home points to hopefully take some inaction and turn it into action. Yeah, I think it's um, also recognizing that, yeah, there are definitely foods out there that can contribute to you know, an inflammatory response in the body, and it's just understanding what those foods might be. And everybody's body is a little bit different, but there are some major ones that really, and I know because I've gone through it myself, but wheat is a big one. Um, eggs is another one, dairy corn and soy and pork is also, you know, those can contribute to inflammation in the body. Those aren't causing the inflammation, but that is something that is definitely contributing to it. So I think um, just kind of looking at what it is that you're eating out there and if it, you know, if that's what some of the foods that you're eating are and you're finding you still have stomach aches or you still have some issues intestinally where you're just having digestion issues, um, kind of take a look and see if those are in your in your main staple box, which I think it's in most of ours. Um, I'm very big in ingredient label reading too because coming from the, the food industry um, and also being a chef, that's that's a big thing for me um, that I like to educate people on. So I think in reading your ingredient labels and if you're not sure how to do that, you know, I seek someone else, seek someone out who who does know. Um, I'm, I'm available, but you know, that's a big one and just kind of staying away from some of those foods that can contribute to inflammation. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Chef, for being on the show today. Uh, Dr. Kerluck, break it on down for us. Bring us home. Give us a few take-home points out there for people to be successful. You know, we're having this conversation about IBS and really keeping this platform going. But what can people do? IBS sufferers out there, the love us that care for them. How can we take this message of, of what we're talking about today and create more engagement? Sure. Uh, well, I think that having, you know, a good patient-doctor relationship is really important. And... Uh, I, I do, you know, think that it's important to try and come in with an open mind. So um, a lot of my patients shy, especially my guys, they shy away from, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. It's or a something. macho thing. I mean, it is what it is. But I God, just stop it, guys. Feel their eye rolls. <laughs> so, um, but you know, there there's lots of different treatments um, that can. Uh, in conjunction with, you know, pharmacological treatments, you know, that, that can really help. And, and sometimes we can get away with that without even giving a prescription medication. So I think um, just having, making sure we have a good conversation and that um, also, you know, self kind of diagnosing and self-treating it, you know, I, I would say just 
Make sure you talk to your physician about it because it, it could be something else. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, we definitely, you know, want, want to make sure that it, it isn't anything serious and there's no, you know, delays in, in diagnosis or anything like that. Um, but, you know, the main thing is, is also it takes patience. Um, you know, this is, again, a, this dysregulation between the enteric nervous system and the central nervous system, this communication that, that's been going on, it, it can take time for that to restore with, with all, a lot of these therapies. Um, even the low FODMAP diet, it takes weeks and weeks. Um, you know, there's nine randomized controlled trials supporting that diet, but um, you have to go through kind of a systematic way about doing it, so it, it does take some patience. Pharmacological therapy, sometimes, or even a probiotic. You know, I mean, sometimes we do. We suggest something like that, and may you know, you have to give it time to see if it, if it works. You know, but um, so I would say, just come see us. That's the biggest thing. You don't oh, yeah, have to absolutely. suffer in silence. You know, you can get control of, of your life, um, and and that's really important. You know, um, to just improve quality of life for. for our patients. Wonderful. So. Well, thank you, Dr. Kerlook. I'm going to give you guys my final thoughts. So here's my thing. You know, IBS is real, and I think we've established that. I actually think we've done a really great job on dispelling some of the common myths and misinformation that's out there with IBS. You know, that being said, more discussion needs to happen. More work needs to be done. We're talking about opportunity at the end of the day. We want people to have the opportunity to live their lives to the highest levels of integrity involvement and engagement as much as possible with their loved ones. And I think it's important for us to keep this conversation going. The best thing you can do today is to share what we're talking about and share with others to have that voice out there. You know, they, I said it during the show, it takes a village and it really does for us to have these opportunities for success and to thrive in our lives with the ones we love. So I want to thank my guests today. It's been a great show. I want to thank my guests. I want to thank my guests, Dr. Shivani Kirilluk, board-certified gastroenterologist, suburban gastroenterology, LTD. Check her out www.sgihealth.com. Dr. Kerlick, thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you, Dr. I want to thank my good friend and colleague, Chef Annette LaCitra, founder and owner, integrative health coach and wellness chef at Passionate Palette. Check her out. She gets, has a recipe, legit. www.passionatepalette.com. Hey, you've been listening and watching live on Facebook and intellectualradio.com. This episode is written by Mark D. Gomez, MD, and Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Producer is Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Music is by the wonderful Mr. Havis. Copyright 2020 by MDG Wellness, LLC, all rights reserved. Stay tuned for my next show entitled... Did we forget about teen alcohol use? Hey, share this show. Check me out on my website at www.drmarkgomez.com. I'll catch you guys later. Have a blessed day and peace out.